You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What is good, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the SB Nation NFL Show. This is the off-day debrief. I am Rob Stats Guerrero from Niners Nation, and with me, as always, from Bleeding Green Nation, Brandon Lee Gout. I'm here, Stats, as always, with you once again. Very excited because it's a very big show. It is a huge show today. Not only are we continuing the SB Nation NFL Show divisional preview, as we are going to go through every single division between now and the start of training camp, but also, a Hall of Famer is going to join us. John Randall, former Vikings defensive tackle, former Seahawks defensive tackle, as much as I hate to remember it. He's going to hop on as well. We're going to ask him about trash talking, about the Vikings defense this year. So it is a jam-packed show today. Uh, it's a really good episode. Stats in part because John Randall called out the 49ers and... You might have been too cowardly to uh, push back on that. All right. Here's the thing. Normally, I would leap to the defense of my team, but it's John Randall calling them out. Have you seen John Randall? He is terrifying. He might have leapt through your screen to sack you from your podcasting (laughs) station right there. Yeah, and like I wanted to be able to do the show on Friday. You know, I got to think of my long-term future. But don't worry, we will get to all that. By the way, if you haven't done it already, please rate, review, and subscribe to the SB Nation NFL show. Like I said, it's the perfect time because we're doing the divisional preview. We're going to go through every single one and pick out the best players in the division, partly because of John Randall BLG. Today, we have the NFC North, and this was a little – this was – Easy in some spots, but other spots I really had to kind of dig into the numbers and make my choices. I mean, the starting position is complicated from the jump. Like if we're if we're going quote unquote in order, whatever you want to determine what that means. But if we're starting with the biggest position, I mean, there's already kind of like a trick at the very start. You're talking about quarterback? Yeah. How about that? Well, I mean, if you're assuming that Aaron Rodgers might not be there. I think it's an easy choice either way, because when you throw 48 touchdowns and you're the reigning MVP, you are the best quarterback in your division, right? Yeah, but I'm saying like, I obviously, if we listen to last week's show, I'm not very confident. I'm more confident that Aaron Rodgers is not going to be in this division. So yes, we're making this list right now, and he's currently a member of the Packers, but like, it feels kind of silly to have him here to me a little bit, because it's like, how much longer is this, <laughs> this going to last? How much longer is he going to be here? And obviously, if it's not him... The second place quarterback is clear, I think. It's Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Has to be. The only argument is like you're really high in Justin Fields and you're going with upside over the fact that Kirk Cousins is a player who does not show up in the big spots regularly. But I mean, you know, it has to be Kirk. I mean, I get the criticism, but I think he gets way too much criticism. Like, Kirk no. Cousins is a good 
NFL quarterback. He averages basically about 30 touchdowns and 4,000 yards a season. There are a lot of teams that I, if I told you, like, look at the 49ers. If you told me I was going to get 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns out of whoever plays quarterback for the Niners this year, I would take that and run. If you want to be in quarterback purgatory with Kirk Cousins or Derek Carr or someone there in the middle, then yeah, he's a great quarterback. All right. So anyway, we agree it's Rodgers. And if and when Rodgers gets traded, it's Kirk Cousins at quarterback in our ultimate NFC North lineup. Let's go to running backs now. Um, I think very clearly Dalvin Cook has to be the lead dog in this fight, right? I mean, I think he has to be, but like, I don't think the gap is huge between him and Aaron Jones. Like Aaron Jones is at 5.5 yards per carry last year's stats, and he's at 5.2 in his career. Like Dalvin Cook has obviously been more of the proven like volume producer. He has 21.3 career touches per game compared to Aaron Jones, 14.5. But if we're talking about like efficiency, like Aaron Jones, pretty darn efficient. He's a really good weapon. Um, he like, you know, if Cook wasn't so special and in this division, then, you know, like Jones could easily be, I feel like number one in other divisions. Yeah, this it's not a huge gap here, right? I gave Cook the edge. He's averaging 127 total yards and 30 touchdowns in his last 28 games. That is incredible. Um, and he gets the carries around the goal line, which yeah. Aaron Jones doesn't get as many touches inside the 10 yard line. And that matters to me. Like, I'm, I know I'm splitting hairs here, but I do give him the slight edge. And yes, I know you think it's crazy. I like dudes that score touchdowns. I don't know why that's such a radical idea. Isn't that the point? So you like the, uh, that Packers fullback? I'm blanking on his name. John Kuhn? Yeah. You, you love John Kuhn then? He just scores touchdowns, man. Kuhn. Kuhn. <laughs> Had to be done. So we go Dalvin Cook one and then Aaron Jones slightly behind. When you get to the wide receiver stats, I'm looking at these names right here and I'm just thinking to myself, is there a better trio of wide receivers in the NFL? Like number one wide receivers than the three that I think we're going to both have, which is Allen Robinson, Devontae Adams and Justin Jefferson. It's a really it's a stronger division for wide receivers than I realized. Um, Just to start with Devontae Adams. He's insanely good. Like, do people realize the year he had last year? He had 18 touchdown catches. That is the third most in a single season in the history of the NFL. It's Randy Moss one, Jerry Rice two, Devontae Adams three. And he didn't even play every game, BLG. He still missed two games. Yeah, having seen him firsthand last year where he just, like, destroyed Darius Slay, who a lot of people think is the top corner in the nfl uh we had him in our most overrated a couple weeks ago <laughs> but like a recent polling from espn that they're doing with all the nfl executives like they have darius slay as a the ninth best corner and Devonte adams just like owned him like just like darius Slay couldn't do anything and i think that's kind of like a common theme with a lot of these receivers but Devonte adams especially like you can have the perfect coverage it doesn't matter he's going to go up and get the ball at the highest point like, it doesn't matter if he's covered. He's going to catch it. He's going to catch those 50-50 balls. He's so dominant. And that's why, like, people got on me when I said George Kittle was overrated because he doesn't score enough touchdowns. And everybody said, well, everyone knows he's going to get the ball in the red zone. You think they don't know Devontae <laughs> Adams is going to get the ball? He scores anyway. Like, that's what I mean. That's dominance right there. Everybody in the world knows where Aaron Rodgers is going with the ball. It doesn't matter. He's fantastic. He has more than a third of the Packers' total touchdown catches just by himself. That's wild. 
Um, getting to out Robinson and Jefferson real quick. I mean, Robinson we've seen is just is quarterback proof. Like he hasn't even had good quarterbacks ever. <laughs> Hideous quarterback. He's had really bad quarterbacks. Really, and it doesn't matter. Like going back to college, even you know, working with Christian Hackenberg, like like oh. for his entire football career from college to NFL, he's had bad quarterbacks, really bad quarterbacks, and it doesn't matter. He produces. He's awesome. It kind of is unfortunate that he's stuck in Chicago. Unless Justin Fields really is, you know. The, the future and can be great, then maybe that's a good pairing. But uh, he's he's just, again, like quarterback proof. And then Justin Jefferson was amazing last year. He, he, he Record-breaking stats. And, like, it's crazy to think, like, he can build on that. He's only 21, 22. Like, he's only going to get maybe better. Like, that's crazy. So, yeah, just so, so much wide receiver talent. And that leaves off, like, we're not even talking about Adam Thielen here, who, like, again, in a lot of divisions could be on this list. I was going to stump for Adam Thielen, and I will in a second, but – Let's not gloss over what Justin Jefferson did. When you're a wide receiver and you're a rookie and you get drafted by the Vikings, the last thing you should think about is setting any rookie records for your team because Randy Moss was there and set the league on fire. Well, all Justin Jefferson did was go out and have 1,400 yards, which guess what? Is more than Randy Moss had as a rookie. An incredible transition for Justin Jefferson. He averaged 15.9 yards per catch last year. That is insane. As a rookie, like the sky is the limit for Justin Jefferson. And I I think that he's obviously the best wide receiver from a loaded wide receiver class. And I think by the end of this year, BLG, we could be putting him up as one of the best in the entire league. I think it might sound crazy to say, and I'm sure he does have some weaknesses if you're going to nitpick, but like he doesn't really have any big ones. Like, I, so I remember, obviously, studying him, hoping the Eagles would draft him. Really, one of the Eagles would draft him. Spoiler alert, they didn't. And, like, <laughs> he checked every box stats. Like, he was young. He was athletic. He wasn't, like, you know, he's not the fastest receiver in the NFL, but he's fast enough, and he makes big plays. He can play in the slot. He can play in the outside. He's versatile. Like, he is just a dog. Like, his mentality on the field. Like, he wants to win so bad. Like, he just has it all, and I think you're seeing that manifest. And, yeah, the Vikings got a good one. I was going to maybe argue with you about Allen Robinson and Adam Thielen. Mm. Um, and mainly my my point was going to be that Adam Thielen catches touchdown passes. He actually had <laughs> twice as many touchdowns as Justin Jefferson last year. He had 14 touchdown catches in kind of a down year for him in terms of just kind of overall catches. I think Thielen's going to bounce back in a big way this year because if you go back and look, he had his best seasons with Stephon Diggs there. So it's not like, well, Jefferson's going to get all the targets and he's not going to produce. Like, I think this is going to be a good thing for Adam Thielen in 2021. Uh, Let's move on to the tight end, I guess, stats. And uh, this one wasn't as easy for me. What did you go with? Robert Tanyan, I guess, is the choice here. But I don't think he's particularly that great. I think that Aaron Rodgers Mm. could get 11 touchdowns out of pretty much any tight end that you throw him with. Especially like we talked about, if Devontae Adams is going to get all the coverage in the red zone, there's going to be opportunities for your tight end. I just don't love any of the other tight ends in the division. There's no, like, standout guy. So Tunyon is there, but it's I don't love the pick. I don't love the pick either. I was between Big Bob and TJ Hawkinson from the Lions. Obviously, a uh, high draft pick a couple years ago. Um I think Hawkinson, a lot of people would go with him just because of the draft pedigree. Yep. This is a guy who had seven drops and seven penalties last year, and which Ooh. were among league leaders at tight end. So uh, not to say he was terrible, but for the production he did have, there were some flaws here too. Now, he only turned 24 like a week or two ago, so pretty young. And I guess I'm kind of going with the upside here and assuming like he could get better and kind of looking at this uh, activity stats that we're doing as like through the lens of a preview. I mean – 
who is TJ Hawkinson competing with for targets in Detroit? Like he's going to be their target. He's like going to be their go-to guy. So like the opportunity is here for him to really prove himself and kind of be this volume target. I think it's a bit of a projection, which I kind of don't necessarily feel comfortable with because this activity to me is about like building a team to win a Super Bowl this year. It's not about right. like the long-term potential. We're not like going over the, the con- like the contract doesn't really matter here. We're talking about just like this year. So if you want to frame it like that and take uh, Big Bob, I, I can't fault you, but I think I'm just going to go with Hawkinson with the idea he might have more upside because uh, Big Bob's like 27. And the age thing is a good point by you. I have heard from Josh Norris uh, and other people that tight end is actually the hardest transition to make from college to pro. And so let's let's give Hawkinson a little slack here. Like you said, he's still 24 years old. Maybe this is the year where he breaks out. Unfortunately, like you said, he doesn't have a lot of help. I mean, the Lions wide receivers, they are hideously bad. We're going to bang on Jared Goff a lot, but like he doesn't have a lot of help there in Detroit. No, it's uh, you're talking about Tyra Williams. He got cut by the Chargers. You're talking about Brashad Perriman. Like, uh, what? He drafted one. <laughs> yeah, like it's not great. Looking at the offensive line stats, uh, I have the answers for you because oh, you, you needed okay. to rely on me. And uh, I guess we should go position by position. We'll start at left tackle. I mean, there's no question here. It's David Bakhtiari. Like, who else would it be? Um, he's coming off his second first team all pro season as a three time pro bowler. He was actually PFF's second highest graded offensive lineman, regardless of position last year. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm with you there. No argument. Oh, so now we move to left guard where it's, it's tough because I'm kind of cheating here stats, but I feel like it's okay to kind of do this more with offensive line than other oh, positions. Oh boy. Well, offensive line guys move around. You don't play. It's not like the other positions like guys move out through the course of the season there are injuries some things come up uh, and i think moving uh elton jenkins stats who is now going to be at center to replace Corey lindsley who obviously left green bay to sign with the chargers great move yep. by the chargers um jenkins has left guard experience he's played there for the packers so even though he's not going to be playing there this year i think it's okay to move him there for the sake of this activity what say you i don't love it Okay. But the offensive linemen, even more. <laughs> they do move around, so that's fair. Uh, you mentioned Lindsley at center. like He was going to be my pick for mm-hmm. sure at center, and now I don't know what to do. Well, now it's Frank Ragno stats. Um, he was PFF's second best center behind Lindsley last year. Uh, also, again, that ESPN poll I kind of mentioned earlier on in mm-hmm. the show about like Darius Slay. They also did it for the top centers in the league, and Frank Ragnow uh, as voted on by like NFL executives and players and front office people, scouts, all those coaches, all that. Uh, they had Ragnow as number one. So I think we can safely rely on that there. Now, I want to, I know we're supposed to do right guard next, but I just want to ask because the Lions ended up with Panay Sewell. Are you sliding another Lion in there at right tackle or where, where did you go there? So this is the one where I had an or here stats because you don't like me changing the positions. But I think Taylor Decker, who has experience at right tackle, Fair. more so going back to college at Ohio State, is a really good left tackle. And I think he might be better than Brian O'Neill, who plays right tackle for the Vikings. And I like him a lot, too. And I think he's pretty good, very athletic um, coming out like he didn't he wasn't like the biggest guy uh, in terms of weight. So he's kind of undersized a little bit, but uh, I think he's booked up in the NFL and, he, and he's very athletic again. So it kind of, it's like, like you have to pick between Taylor Decker or Brian O'Neill here. And I think they're both very good players. And it's kind of like splitting hairs when you're talking about the position change. So which one do you like? I'll let you pick it. 
Uh, let's go with Decker. I, I, I know okay. I, I kind of gave it to you a little earlier for changing the positions, but I, I think it's all right. We'll go with Decker. If I allowed it once, I got to allow it again. And then uh, going back to right guard, where did you go? This is not a good division for right guard stats. <laughs> Looking at the names here, I was like, I really don't see a name that I love. And I ended up with going with Ezra Cleveland, who actually plays left guard for the Vikings, but he has some right guard experience. So we're going to bump him over. And uh, yeah, I don't really feel amazing about it. Again, like if you're really cheating, you could put like, uh, you know, maybe Penai Sewell at right tackle, but then move like Taylor Decker. You know, you could maybe bump one of these tackles inside if you really wanted to. But I, I kind of wanted to stay away from that and uh, give the guards some love. So there we go. So we are through the offensive side of the ball right now. And what I have noticed is, number one, there are only two Lions in this lineup. And that's if you want to be generous and give Hawkinson the tight end spot. Mm -hmm. And there are there's one, maybe, Chicago Bear, if you want to put Allen Robinson in. That is not a good sign for the Monsters of the Midway. It's a, this is a relevant activity, Stats. It's all about looking at where the talent is in the division. All right. Well, we still have plenty more to do on this episode of the Off Day Debrief. When we come back, we're going to talk to the Hall of Famer John Randall about his time in the league and the Vikings defense this year. And then we will pick our own defense from the NFC North. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is the SB Nation NFL show. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero alongside Brandon Lee Gouton. What's up, BLG? Uh, Stats, I'm doing great, and I'm very excited for today's episode. I'm super excited because it's not every day that we get to talk to a Hall of Famer, but that day is today. We are very pleased to welcome in the Hall of Famer, the six-time All-Pro, John Randall. Good morning, John. Good morning, guys. I've just woke, woken up from my 360 smart bed. So let's go, baby. Let's go. I think it is hilarious that you are joining us on behalf of Sleep Number because there is nobody that gave opposing offensive linemen more sleepless nights than you, and yet here you are now telling us how important a good night's sleep is. But you gotta understand, sleep is the most, I think one of the easiest ways to get your body healthier. So by getting a proper sleep on a uh, Sleep Number 360 smart bed would help improve it. You know, we uh, Sleep Number has partnered up with the NFL for the Sleep and Wellness, and we have over 2,000 NFL players using Sleep Number bed. If that doesn't tell you that it's good for you, I don't know what will. <laughs> uh, John, just jumping into the football of it right here, one of the sure. things that I was curious, I want to pick your brain about is, you know, obviously you had such an amazing career. Is there anyone in today's game that kind of, when you're watching it, kind of reminds you of you or that you just have so much fun watching, uh, especially on defense in today's NFL? Oh, you know, I do. 
Mr. Ram, number 99, you see him doing it. I mean, he looks undersized, you know, you, it, it's just so great to see somebody out there playing a game who isn't six, seven, six, eight, what they keep trying to tell people that players have to be a big size, certain size to play this game. But you watch him using his hands. And that's what I love to do was using my hand, especially against those 49ers. I mean, uh, you know, I had so much success out there and the 49er land. I mean, I went out there, I found me some gold in that 49er land. And, uh, <laughs> ooh, thank you, 49ers. But yeah, Aaron Donald, without a doubt, is the guy that's doing it. I mean, he, for me, I think he exemplified what you want in a pass rusher, a guy who can change the game, and he's doing it. Why is it so rare to get an interior defensive lineman who can rush the passer? You, Aaron Donald, like you said, Warren Sapp, like there's not a lot of those guys in NFL history. Yeah, well, a lot of time because when you're a small guy, you kind of get uh, worn down by the double teams uh, or you're not that good at using your hands or you don't have the proper the feet to use your feet in inside because – when you get inside and with all that stuff going on, guys kind of get distracted by uh, the offensive lineman moving. And I've, I've, I remember going through practice and watching numerous guys try to get it down. And they couldn't. And it's, it's uh, we, there was this old saying that uh, the crown is heavy and not a lot of guys want to put that crown on and do this week in and week out. And for, for a guy like Aaron Donald, man, he's doing it. He's proving it. He's showing people that you don't have to be like an Andre the Giant. You can just come out there, small size, like a Ric Flair, and do your thing. So, John, talking about that, it kind of reminds me here of a question I had. Like, looking at not only, you know, the physical aspect of, you know, playing inside, like uh, Stats kind of just asked you about there, but also, like, the mentality of it, I'm sure, is very, is very tough. Um, yeah. Was it about, was it ever about like trash talk to you? Like what is the most effective trash talk maybe that you ever used on someone? Do you remember like trying to like just break someone down mentally from the inside? Uh, I think probably one of the first time I did it, uh, I was playing against a guy from the Raiders, uh, Steve Winooski. And before the game, it was my first time, it was going to be my first time playing against Steve. And Henry Thomas kept telling me I was such a, like a, just say he was kind of a a-hole. He would step on guys' feet. He would do this, do that. So I started reading upon the guy, and I was just kind of finding out information. And I found out that he lived in Houston. He lived in the Woodlands. <laughs> you know that he loved going to his Kroger's grocery store. So he kept stepping on my feet during the game, and I just got tired. And I turned around. And I go, "Hey, you step on my foot one more time. I'm coming to the Woodlands. I'm gonna catch you and the family at Kroger's, and I'm gonna do it to you and the family." <laughs> And he just bucked his eyes, just put his hands up. Oh, how do you know where I live? And <laughs> I just kind of walked back to the huddle and I was like, man, this is, this is interesting. And then I just started talking to him and he started focusing on all his other stuff and it just kind of took all this meanness away. But for me, it was just a way of uh, just kind of changing the, the outcome of the game. Uh, one of my favorite one was uh, against Trent, Trent Dilfer I got him kicked out of a game for just messing with him, talking trash to him. So, you know, it it's, it, it has its uses, you know, and uh, if you can find the right place to put it in there, it may help you. 
that's how I became aware of your career is NFL films. I remember watching NFL films and they did a whole piece on you. And I was like, who is this crazy person? <laughs> your job would have been a lot easier today if you had all of social media to comb oh. through to get material. Oh yeah, dude, back then you had those, you had these program uh, uh, booklets. I had to read through it. And every off season I'm going through and finding information. And it, it was kind of hard, but you know, we had, all these newspaper clippings I had to read through. And so, yeah, social media would have been so much easier to do it today. And, uh, but, uh, you know, I just got lucky and, and I was just bored in a meeting and, uh, and just kind of found information. And, uh, you know, it, 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 it has its places because for me, I think it goes back to watching Michael Jordan talking trash and Charles Barkley, you know, you know watching those guys on the court you saw them at the free throw line, kind of sitting there next to each other, you know, hands on their knees, talking a little mess. And I'm like, why can't you do it in football? I mean, Deacon Jones used to talk smack, but why can't we do it today? And so I was, I didn't care. I told guys, I'm like, hey, I'm not supposed to be here anywhere, <laughs> but I'm gonna get out here, I'm gonna talk smack to these dudes. I've seen these guys on TV, Steve Young, you know, uh, shoot, uh, all these other dudes. I'm like, I'm gonna talk smack to them. Is there anyone who was like the best at giving it back to you? You know, so you were dishing it out, but is there anyone like you had really good battles with? Oh my God. Yeah. There were several guys. Uh, oh my God. You had uh, Nate Newton from the Cowboys. He was good at talking smack. Uh, let me see. Emmett Smith would talk smack. Let's see. Jerry Rice would talk smack. Um, Favre. Oh yeah. Favre. Favre. Oh, Frank Winters too. Favre center. He would talk smack. Cause Frank was from like, he's from like Chicago somewhere. So I thought I'd talk and smack to Frank and he had this little squeaky voice. Hey, you can't talk to me like that. You know where I'm from? And so, but uh, you know, it was fun. At the end of the game, everybody kind of laughed about it and stuff, but uh, you know, it just made the game more exciting and it gave NFL Films another reason to put a mic on you. But I tell you what, one of the first time they were trying to mic me up, man, I kept getting this little, like something kept sticking me. So I told the guy, go, hey, Something's sticking me in my back. He comes back, he goes digging my shoulder pad, comes back, he goes, it's not sticking you, it's shocking you. <laughs> like, okay. I'm sure that's just what you needed as you're trying to rush the passer. Um, yeah. You mentioned Deacon Jones. I wanted to bring this up. There's a website, Pro Football Reference, that says they've gone back now and they've recorded 99% of the stacks going all the way back to the merger, basically. Deacon Jones is one of those guys, his whole career took place before the NFL counted sacks. Do you think that the NFL should go back now and, and update the record books and say like, hey, we, we have the sacks now, let's count all of them before 1982? Yes, of course. I mean, here, here's a game that was built off the blood and sweat and tears of the guys who built this game. And those guys, I, you know, I'm fortunate enough to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame and I get to be around a lot of guys, you know, Jack Youngblood. I was around Deacon Jones, you know, God rest his soul. Those guys who are the one who built this game, it, they made this game what it is today. I mean, I watched those guys play. I, I watched them. I idolized them. I tried to hit people side to head like Deacon Jones. You get, of course, you get fined for that. But those are the guys who put their blood, sweat, and tears. Why not put their numbers where they belong? And, uh, you know, it, it's a great game, and if it gives them more credit ability, why not? 
So looking at the present here, um, mm-hmm. you know, the Minnesota Vikings had a down year last year, um, at least defensively, uh, especially what you would expect from them. I mean, Mike Zimmer even called it uh, the worst defense or, or like a bad defense. So um, how does that kind of happen here? Like, because it looks like the Vikings have a lot of talent on defense, but they have this, this bad year um, in your experience, like what can go wrong, I guess. And what, and what provides hope maybe for getting this thing back on track? Well, if you look at last year's, our defense, we had just lost uh, Daniel Hunter. He, he was, he was out. And then we lost Everson Griffin. He was gone. And, uh, but you look at us now, uh, Daniil's back. We got uh, Sheldon Richardson back. And, you know, it's for us, it's given us, uh, if anything, it's given us a chip on the shoulder that we've got guys coming back that we kind of have brought in a, a youth movement also. But I think overall with, with Green Bay going through their troubles too also, and Detroit kind of, they're kind of rebuilding, trying to reshuffle. This is an opportunity for the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, you know, you got your San Francisco Giants, I mean, San Francisco 49ers out there. I want to call them Giants because, you know, you, you, you're, 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 you're changing here and there. But uh, I don't I, I think for us, the Minnesota Vikings, this, this could be the season to, to look to as a year for us to be that team that everybody's got to be watching um i mean um it, it's you know we're always going to think about Kansas city of course um and we're going to think about tampa but i think uh offense you know like i was saying earlier to somebody um offense scores points but defense wins game and we've got i think we got the making of a nasty defense that can come out there and do some things that cause some damage and and do and be very successful between the sleep number and getting Aaron Rodgers out of your division, things should be good for Vikings fans. Dude, if we could get everybody else except NFL teams to, to get on these sleep numbers, 360 smart beds, it would be awesome for the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, hey, I think it's the year for purple. You know what I mean? <laughs> this, is, this is a year for us. It's our turn. It's time for the, for the Midwest. Come on. Well, John, thank you very much for the time today. We really appreciate it. Again, check out the Sleep Number Bed, and uh, hopefully we can talk to you again soon. Skull, skull, skull. Minnesota Viking. San Fran. You're right, BLG. I should have come at him. I should have come at him more when he started trashing my Niners, which he did multiple times. I'm not going to lie. I did kind of pucker up a little bit. Uh, that's fair. I would have done the same thing under pressure. I don't like confrontation stats, uh, maybe online, but not in person. I'm a total coward, so at least I can admit it, though. <laughs> yeah, but at least you're like six foot seven. You mm. could like stand whoa, up whoa, to John six foot nine. Don't don't sell me short here. Oh, my, I thought I was overestimating it. My bad. Mm. Like you're six nine. Like John Randall might think twice about at least like, hey, maybe this isn't somebody that I, you know, should totally can totally truck when he looks at 510 <laughs> 140 pound stats he's not really going to think twice uh that's fair and sticking with the defensive line here stats as we get into the defensive side of our all nfc north team uh john randall mentioned him and it's only right it's only obvious that we're including Danelle hunter in here who including the playoff stats has 31.5 sacks in the last two seasons he played which obviously he didn't play in 2020 but Again, 31.5 sacks in the last two seasons he played. And again, I included the playoffs in there. 
he's a monster. And it's weird, like, we focus so much on quarterbacks and we focus a lot on sacks, but for some reason I feel like he's under the radar in this department. The last two years he's played in the regular season, 14 and a half sacks both years and 70 plus tackles as a defensive lineman. That's more than any other defensive lineman in the entire league. I don't know why we don't give him enough love, but he's right up there with Chandler Jones and any of the the best sack artists in the league. If I'm not mistaken, it came up on the SB Nation NFL show recently. Sorry, I can't remember who said this, that like Hunter, uh, his contract is like one of the worst in the NFL or it was because like his agent signed it like really early and didn't get like that top of the market pass rush for money. So maybe that's part of it. Stats is like he didn't get to like free agency and get that big deal. So all the attention like wasn't on him and he signed too early. So maybe that's part of it. That that's rough, man. I mean, the two things I feel like the teams pay for are touchdowns from the quarterback and sacks from defenders. Like those are the positions that can really cash in. A lot of edge rushers get paid like quarterbacks and he absolutely deserves to to get that kind of a deal. You love touchdowns and you love sack stats. Call me crazy. That's just how I roll. Um, My next choice in division, how do you feel about this? I was going to go with Trey Flowers. Going to dip into that Detroit Lions pool a little bit. 82 PFF grade in 2019 and 2020. He only played seven games last year, but I really like Flowers. I think he's underrated. He was my choice for the other edge rusher. Before I get to my pick stats, which is crazy because you're wrong, but uh, Hunter, (laughs) by the way, is not even top seven. He's the 17th. He's not even top 15 in edge rusher money annually at 14 million a year. So he's paid like a below average defensive lineman, essentially. Like, it doesn't make sense. Um, so you took Trey Flowers, who is kind of overpaid, speaking of contracts. And how could you not take Khalil Mack, Stats? What are you talking about? I mean, yeah, I think of him more as like a linebacker than I do a defensive mm. lineman. Okay. Well, we're saying edge here. I think it's fair to say edge rusher really is what we're going with. And, right. And uh, I think Mack qualifies there. Honestly, I am shocked you picked Trey Flowers, who I think is like is fine and, like again, is a quality player. But I can't have him over Mac. And honestly, I was between Mac and my guy, who I mentioned before here on the SB Nation NFL show stats that you might remember, Zadarius Smith. Like, Zadarius Smith, pretty freaking good. Um, you know, you, we talk about Hunter's sack production, and I'm looking at Smith, and he has 29 sacks in his last two seasons. That's more than Khalil Mack, who was only at 17.5. So, stats, you're a sacks guy, and Zadarius Smith has more than Khalil Mack. Um, you know, I, I didn't even have Trey Flowers in the conversation here just because I think it's between those two guys. So do you feel like you're wrong? Well, here's the thing. This was my secret plan at linebacker. What I wanted to do, I was tempted to go with all three guys named Smith. I wanted mm. to go Roquan Smith, Zadarius Smith, and Preston Smith. But Preston Smith just doesn't make the cut. So he kind of ruined that whole plan that I had. Um, I did have Zadarius Smith at linebacker. He was okay. one of my selections. Uh, Roquan Smith, I love as a linebacker for the Bears. Great in coverage. I feel like he's really coming into his own. There were a lot of expectations when he came into the league, and I think it took him a couple years to kind of get his bearings and get his feet wet. But now I think he's he's living up to exactly what people thought he was going to be. So I had Roquan Smith, Zadarius Smith, and then the third linebacker, I went with Eric Kendricks. Again, another really, really good coverage linebacker. Better better defensive personnel in the division than I thought. Yeah, so I only went with two off-ball linebackers because maybe I'm biased, and I am, but the Eagles usually, that's what they only use. And I feel like, I don't know, that's today's NFL anyway. In general, I feel like we're seeing less you know, or fewer linebackers on the field, more defensive backs. 
Um, so I went with just the two, the off-ball guys. And yeah, Eric Hendricks, who allowed just a 60.5 passer rating when targeted last year. Stats, mm-hmm. really good in coverage. Just a leader in the middle of that defense. Has been for a while. Will continue to be, presumably. And then Roquan Smith, who you mentioned. I think one of the most important things, stats, when it comes to linebackers, are stats. In terms of, like playmaking stats not just tackles because anyone can tackle like anyone can have the ball run at them and you know like and you're making a tackle like 10 yards down the field that's not necessarily like a good stat to record because like you're letting a guy you know get to you exactly like like that's so so tackles are obviously kind of like you know not the most telling stat but beyond that roquan smith made a lot of plays last year he had two interceptions seven passes defense one forced fumble four sacks 18 tackles for loss and then six QB hits. So this is a guy who was around the football, made big plays. Obviously, everyone thought highly of him in the draft class, so he has that pedigree. But he's lived up to it, I think, or at least last year. So, yeah, Eric Hendricks and Wilquan Smith, that's a pretty good linebacker core in the middle there. Eric Hendricks, 17 pass breakups the last two years, including playoffs. Like, don't shrug that off. Like, a pass breakup is a massive, massive deal, especially for a linebacker. That's incredible. Uh, so, like I said, yeah, I was sort of pleasantly surprised by some of the defensive talent in the division. But then I get to defensive backs, BLG. Well, you're skipping over defensive tackle, unless we're oh, going. That's right. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's my bad. Sorry, John Randall. Don't don't come at me. He's going um, to come through the screen. My first choice, I think you'll agree, is Kenny Clark from the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, I was between him or Dalvin Tomlinson, new addition, obviously, yep. formerly from the New York Giants. Both of those guys kind of, you know, they can they'd stop the run. Um, they have some pass rushing ability, too, but that's not like, you know, their calling card necessarily. So I was between those two guys. I think Clark has just like kind of more of the reputation and has been there longer, which I guess kind of gives him the edge where, you know, D- Tomlinson is the newcomer. So I'm, I'm fine with going Kenny Clark. 65 pressures by Kenny Clark as a zero or one technique since 2016. That is 10 more than anybody else. So he was my clear number one. The other name I had on the list was Akeem Hicks from Chicago. Um, Not the best overall year for him. He's another year removed from injury, but he did have a 10.6% pressure rate, which was a career high for him. He's going to be another year removed from the injury, like I said. And his pass rush grade and his pass rush win rate were some of the best of his entire career. So I thought I would give him a little love too. Yeah, I think that's, you know, for as much as you love sack stats, like that's not always going to show up with Akeem Hicks as much. But like when you watch him, the impact is obvious. And I think he almost gets a little bit underrated because like Khalil Mack gets all the attention. Like, oh, who, like who's the guy? on the Bears who rushes the passer and is super prolific. Like, everyone's mind goes to Khalil Mack. But actually, you know, Hakeem Hicks is really good on the inside. And, uh, yeah, so that was my pick as well. I think that's that's the way to go. Hugely important for any linebackers who the hell that damn guy is in the middle, clogging everything up and, and creating lanes for him. So I agree. Hicks, good job by me. Okay, so I apologize for skipping ahead. There Defensive we go. backs, there was one clear choice, if I'm looking at corners, And to be honest, the only real choice for me, Jair Alexander, he's a stud. 45.9 passer rating allowed. 45.9. He allowed a completion percentage of 46%. That basically means when you throw the ball at Jair Alexander, you have less than a 50-50 chance to complete it. In today's NFL, that's unbelievable. He was pro football focus's top graded cornerback number one at his position last year and that's also like you know obviously pff they're not gospel they're not always right blah 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 whatever but i mean like 
in this case, I think this is pretty reasonable. Like, he, Alexander is really, really good. When you watch him play, he is so sticky. I love a quarterback stats who just, like, stays on their man. Isn't like you know, there's there's fun too, and the guys who can kind of like bait people and get the big plays, and, and there's absolutely value in that, arguably more valuable. But I personally, aesthetically, love the idea of a guy who's just like on his man, like is never letting that receiver open. It's kind of like demoralizing them because you have these receivers out here who like like running routes is hard. Like you're just doing that all game long, and like you're only you're running like what like seventy something routes in the game, and you might only have like three catches. So you're doing a lot of work for not a lot of like. Uh, production for yourself and I think like going up against Alexander can be like demoralizing for some of these corners especially too because he really plays with an edge he has that kind of energy and fire to him so uh yeah really love this pick with him no brainer and like we talked about it's not like he's going up against a bunch of scrubs in a division there's really good receiver 35 percent of Alexander's games are against guys like Justin Jefferson Adam Thielen Recently, you know, Stefan Diggs was there, obviously, and he's still shutting people down. That's even more impressive. Unfortunately, I look at the rest of the corners in the division and like, I'm not impressed by anybody. Even Patrick Peterson now coming to the Vikings. Like, I think Patrick Peterson is washed. Like, I couldn't even pick another corner on the in the division. It was tough stats. I totally agree. At least when it comes to outside corner. Yes. Like. I, I didn't know what to do with. Like, I was looking at different numbers and different players here, and I just I didn't really feel compelled. So I kind of just went Patrick Peterson by default, you know, because we know his name. And maybe uh, Mike Zimmer can find a way to kind of get the most out of him and kind of, like, rebound a little bit there. And, and then the pass rush he's playing behind, like, maybe that'll work out. I've never really been the, the biggest Patrick Peterson uh, fan. I think he has some high highs, but I also think he has some low lows, kind of like a, um, like a give or take kind of player. Um, so I have him here. Do I feel amazing about it? No. Um, but I do have a pick in the slot stats that I feel okay about. And that is Chandon Sullivan, who I actually think is kind of underrated. And he's on the Packers, if you didn't know. <laughs> and he is a former Eagle. So really just, you know, former Eagle bias that I'm giving right here. Uh-huh. Um, but he's just a solid slot cornerback. Um, you know, nothing like fancy, not this big uh, like playmaker, uh, the game wrecker, but he's been solid for them. And I'm going with him in the slot. And I wanted to, you know, do the three cornerbacks here as opposed to three linebackers because this is the modern NFL stats. Like nickel is the new base, as they just said, getting more defensive backs on the field. So that's who I went with. Yeah, but see, you pick Michael Kendricks as the third linebacker, and he's so good in coverage that, you know, you, you don't have to necessarily go with the third defensive back. No. Are you buying well, that at all? No. Not at all. <laughs> not buying that at all. Okay. <laughs> Let's move on to safety then. Um, I know that the Minnesota Vikings had a down year on defense last year, but to me, I, I still have to go with Harrison Smith. I still think he's one of the best safeties in the league. Five interceptions, five pass breakups last year, above average grades across the board from PFF. And I know, like you said, it's not gospel. It's not the end all be all, but I also don't think they're hideously wrong on anybody. So I'm going to trust them. And he's never hurt for a guy that's as physical as he is. Harrison Smith is out there almost every game. I was between Smith and Darnell Savage for my second safety pick. My first pick was Adrian Amos. I don't think there's any debate that he should be in there. Like he's the, he's the number one to me. And again, so it came down to Smith or Savage and Savage has a case. He had four interceptions last year, 12 passes defense, kind of liked him coming out of the draft. 
Um, but I think, again, looking at it through the lens of this is a team, in theory, com- built to compete this year and try to win the Super Bowl this year, I'm going to go with the track record that Harrison Smith provides. It's a good uh, job by you on the durability point. So I think it's a fair pick. I had Darnell Savage down on my list as well. But the only problem is he misses a lot of tackles. And again, like I know it's not the end-all, be-all like you said, but I mean, you are a safety. Kind of the essence of your position is to kind of be the last line of defense. He missed 16 tackles last year. I do think the elevator is going up on him, but that's an area where he's got to clean up. So how do we feel about this defense as a whole? We feel pretty good about it. We think there's good talent here. Well, if it has to compete against like the other offenses that we're creating from the other divisions, I don't know overall how comfortable I would be with it. I mean, I certainly think that there are better divisions to come up with a defense than the NFC North. So we like like we like our defensive line a lot. The linebackers we like. Uh but the secondary is like the safeties are really good, I think. But then the corners are kind of iffy. I think you can kind of get by with that. I think with with the pass rush this defense has going on, um I think we can get by with that. But this doesn't matter. It's a fake activity. What do you think <laughs> about like the team representation here? Well, that's that's kind of one point of this exercise is like, what does this tell us about the teams in the division? How the hell did the Bears make the playoffs? <laughs> that's what I want to know. How many Bears do we even have on the list? And yet they were in the playoffs. On defense, we have Mac Hicks, uh, Smith, and that's it. <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah, not the maybe not the best case for them. The Vikings, though, I guess the Vikings are kind of the winners of this activity. They have they have quite a few people on this list. The whole division shifts with Aaron Rodgers because without Aaron Rodgers, I probably still put Devontae Adams in the wide receiver mix, but he's clearly not the same player that he is with Aaron Rodgers. And that, so that shifts a lot. Of, you don't put Robert Tanyan on the list, right, without Aaron yeah. Rodgers. So it's weird yeah. that the effect that that one player can have on what our roster would be. Yeah, more than any other division, really. Like other people who are doing these exercises on the SB Nation NFL show in the coming days and weeks, like aren't going to have that same kind of like that wrinkle, that what if um, stats. I wanted to mention really quickly for people the the, the die hards out there, uh, the special teams unit. I think it has to be Mason Crosby, a kicker. It has to be Jack Fox, who's arguably like the best punter in the NFL, a punter. And then I had to show some love to the oldest active player in the NFL, not named Tom Brady who turns 40 in August. Do you know who that is, Stats? It's got to be a long snapper. It is Don Mulback on the Lions, who's been there for forever now. So shout out to him. Mason Crosby attempted a league-low 16 field goals last year. That's because Aaron Rodgers kept scoring touchdowns. He ruined it for Mason Crosby. And uh, all the fantasy owners, right? Who had Mason Crosby? I mean, that's always my strategy is, like, get a kicker on a good offense, but... What I found basically is this, obviously, Mason Crosby. And in Seattle, Russell Wilson is so damn good at sticking the ball in the end zone that the kicker is like, doesn't really do much. So a good offense, but not too good of an offense. Really, you want the 49ers because they can get <laughs> down to the red zone and then they can't stick the ball in the end zone. Unfortunately, Robbie Gold is the kicker there, and he's made only 78% of his kicks the last two years. And don't think I'm not nervous about that, BLG. You want a coach, too, who maybe. Uh, is a coward and kicks field goals in the red zone. Kind of like Matt LaFleur in the playoffs last year. Funny enough. He'll never live that down for me. Like, what? I still don't get it. I still don't understand how he thought the best course of action was to kick a field goal and give the ball back to Tom Brady with, like, two minutes left in the game. 
and yet if we're doing coaches in this division, he's probably the best coach in the division, right? Like you're taking him over everyone else. Oh, that's a really good question. I mean, it, the resume for LaFleur is tough to beat, right? 26 yeah. and six the last two years, two straight NFC championship game appearances. I mean, Unless I don't want to sleep. Zimmer. I don't want to sleep on Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer's a really good coach, but he also, I mean, he gets dinged last year. He's a defensive coach and their defense was not very good by his own admission. Um, what, what are you going to give the edge to the floor? I think you have to, but like, it's hard though. Cause you know, it's, it's like Mike McCarthy having, you know, Aaron Rodgers. Like, exactly. We don't really, who is the real LaFleur, you know, uh, <laughs> that sounds like it could be a novel or something or a podcast series. Um, we, we don't know because we'll find out if Jordan Love has to start, I imagine. But, uh, I think you have to give it to LaFleur just because of what they've accomplished. Like, again, I know you have Aaron Rodgers, but still like, Making two NFC, you know, straight NFC championship games and winning what thirteen games each season, like that's that's really really good. Like I know, I think Mike Zimmer um, has done some good things, but like you know, one NFC championship game appearance and they got freaking blown out in that game, <laughs> and it hasn't been all on him. Um, but I think there is an antiqua- antiquated mindset that Zimmer has in terms of like how, or at least has been in terms of like their how much they want to run the football and everything that doesn't like necessarily match up with today's NFL, which he's still a good coach, but I don't know if he's ever going to be able to like break through to that championship level because at, now I feel like more than ever in today's NFL, like you need every edge you can get when you're going up against Patrick Mahomes. Like you can't just be kind of good. You have to be like flawless. Perfect. You even said that. So yeah, I don't know if we're ever looking at championship level for Zimmer where I think LaFleur could get there. Like, I don't think he's holding back Rodgers if Rodgers stays. Very fair. And the only coach that's ever won more games in his first two seasons than Matt LaFleur is George Seifert, who won 28 games with the 49ers because he went 14-2 and two his first two years. And I will mention that forever whenever we talk about Matt LaFleur, just so I can give my boy George Seifert some love. That's going to do it for this edition of the Off Day Debrief. We again, thank you for listening. If you haven't followed the SB Nation NFL show, now is the perfect time. Our divisional previews are going to continue rolling along on Friday. RJ Ochoa and I are going to do the NFC West on the look ahead. I probably will bring up that George Seifert stat again, uh, but I'm really looking forward to that. If you missed Monday's show, it was the NFC South. So if you root for the Bucks or the Falcons or the Saints, if you root for the Saints, forget it. You don't have a lot to look forward to this year, but you should definitely go and check that out. Again, rate, review, subscribe. BLG, thank you very much. I appreciate the offensive line picks as well. Good job by you. Stats, uh, before we leave today, I just want to give a shout-out to all our NFC North SB Nation blogs. Hopefully, they are listening and not like thinking, oh, those guys totally screwed this up. So I'm going to give them a nice little shout-out here. So maybe they'll go a little bit easier on me at least. Maybe you too will see. You know, It's obviously Acme Packing Company for the Packers, Daily Norseman for the Vikings, Pride of Detroit for the Lions, and then we have Windy City Gridiron for the Chicago Bears. So if you're a fan of one of those teams, and if you're somehow not already checking those out, which I'm sure you are, but if you're not, go do it. And by the way, if you take issue with anything we've said, we are happy to have you come on, come at us. We are here for that. It wouldn't be the first time, and I'm sure it's not going to be the last. But anyway, enjoy your week, everybody. Enjoy your Wednesday, and we'll talk to you next week. The Current Podcast is back with an exciting new season featuring marketing executives from the world's most influential brands. Tune in to hear what's driving conversation in the fast-moving world of digital advertising with unique insights from brands as diverse as Hilton, Instacart, Moderna, Major League Soccer, and more. 
And in this presidential election season, The Current explores what a national political advertiser, like the National Republican Senatorial Committee, and a major CPG brand like Hershey can learn from each other. Listen in and subscribe to The Current at thecurrent.com or wherever you get your podcasts.